Thank you for tuning in to Far Better, where we look to be pleasing to God in this life so our eternity is far better. I'm your host, Michael Clark, and I've got two guests with me, Ryan Manning from the Somerville Church of Christ. My uh, co-worker and minister there is with us again. Ryan, it's good to have you back on the program today. Hi, Michael. It's great to be here. And we have Philip Patton, who is the minister at the Marshall Church of Christ in Marshall, Texas, but also he and his wife, Stephanie, are the heads of Engraving Heavenly Truth. And if you could, Philip, in just one to two sentences, as we're talking in this episode about far better than a textless life, which is essentially the life of a Christian is better than a life without the Bible, could you kind of explain in one or two sentences what Engraving Heavenly Truths is and what it does? Well, at its base, uh, Engraving Heavenly Truths is a Bible class curriculum. It's a four-year curriculum designed for congregational use and the intent behind it to be able to get entire families back into Bible study together. Uh, it, it pushes and encourages mom and dad or, or guardians, whoever that may be, to be in one-on-one close contact with the Bible classes that they're going through and studying the same subjects together at the same time so that it will encourage that family involvement in Bible study. Well, that's great, and that's that's what we need more of in our world. We need people that will teach basic Bible principles to their children and not just do it in Bible class. I know in some congregations it seems like Bible class is where the, the parents get away for an hour, but Bible class, wouldn't you agree, needs to be continued in the home too. That's exactly right, and the point of this, the way it's set up, the style behind it, is it helps the parents to know exactly what the Bible study was that their children have gone through. They may not be in the same classes together, so, you know, I would agree some folks kind of have the idea that that's a break I can get away, but even in that break, there's no reason not to be on the same page together. Right. Well, as far as our topic for these next two episodes, far better than a textless life, gentlemen, whichever one of you want to start us off with, but would you say that the world has an apathetic relationship towards the Bible? I would say that there are so many people in this world who don't care about the Bible. I'd say that uh, there's so much resistance to Scripture. There's so many critics to Scripture. There are some people who just discount it entirely because they, well, they use a different book, um, or they, you know, some some people ha- have never heard of the Bible, but there are still a lot of people who care about what scripture says and well that's an encouraging thing to me right uh philip with with what you're trying to do which is help people learn more about god's word uh what's interesting about this is even though a good portion of the world is apathetic towards god's word the bible continues to be a number one bestseller do you have any insight as to why that still might be the case you know i think with some people that they kind of look at the Bible as that magic box yeah. idea. Um, if I have a Bible in my home, I can claim that I have a Bible, then just because I have it in my possession, well, that makes me okay. And the sad fact is, and it goes back to that apathetic mindset, they may have the Bible, but people don't care what's in it. Right. Uh, I think a lot of that goes back to just like, you know, in Joshua's day when Joshua died and, and the people there arose that generation that knew not God. Right. I think we see that. We see that in that apathy because if generations, older generations are not fulfilling the instruction to teach the younger generations, then there's no choice but to have apathy. If they don't know about it, they weren't grown up with it, 
then it doesn't matter to them. It kind of strikes me, you know, we're, we're all three gospel preachers, and preachers are known to love a lot of things. Chicken and books are two of the main ones that we, we're usually associated with. And Amen. Um, I, you know, I, I have found, I'm going through my library at this moment right now trying to organize it better. And I've looked through some of the books in my library, and I realized, wow, I had a, I had a help book on preaching. Didn't even know I had that one. And I think maybe people buy the Bible like they buy any other self-help book, which is if I just buy this, I'll start reading it, but it doesn't work until you read it. You know, I I have a bunch of Dave Ramsey books, but until I started reading and trying to apply what was in the books, it did me no good to have those books sitting on my shelf. They were just taking up space. And if people buy the Bible, while that's great for the Word of God to be in the homes, the Word of God is not effective if we're not going to open it up and, and utilize it. Ryan, you have anything you want to add? Michael, I've been into your office, and you have about 40 different Bibles, so you might be the reason the Bible is on the bestseller list. <laughs> that could be true. Uh, no, Bibles not. are like candy. Um, you got to buy one at least many. every year. Uh, but that's exactly right. And it, it is every year people set New Year's resolutions. Every year they resolve to do stuff, and they'll buy books about it. They'll buy recipe books about it. Uh, but it doesn't mean they're actually going to do it. You know, I know you are a big advocate of the keto diet. You've actually done the keto diet, though. You're not just someone who says, well, I'll try it, and then a month later you stopped. And right. you you were a big advocate of it. You've seen success with it. But if I say I'm going to do the keto diet, but I never, I never implement it, then all I'm really saying is, okay, well, I like it, but I don't really want to involve my life in it. And one of the things to consider when we talk about the Bible and the Bible in the home is it's just like that. God's Word closed does nobody any good. Well, you know, a Bible sitting on the coffee table that collects dust. You know, when, when, when someone goes through and cleans the house and they have to wipe the dust off of the Bible cover, well, it's obvious that it's not getting used. Right. And just like you mentioned with those the recipe books and things of that nature that we, we have purchased to use with our lifestyle, um, they're not going to do us any good. I, I wouldn't know what I was doing if I didn't open those to see in the instructions that tell me how to be able to do this. Right. And with the Bible being the same thing, the instruction book, if you don't open it, it's nothing but a paperweight. So what happens to the individual who diligently seeks God's Word and the Bible? I mean, are there actual benefits that come with seeking God's Word in the Bible? And, of course, me being a gospel preacher, this is what we call a softball question. I'm tossing it up so you can just rip it out of the park. What what does happen to the individual that seeks God and His Word diligently? Where do we start? Right. Where do we start? There's, there's spiritual benefits. Obviously, uh, Scripture says that if you, if you obey God, then He's going to reward you. And, and we have a, a home in heaven. So there's there's the obvious spiritual benefits, but there's also there are also physical benefits for people who follow Scripture. Uh, God has given us a book that contains everything we need to be moral human beings, and part of what's in this book it, it teaches uh, part of these things. They teach us how to get along with our fellow human beings, how to. Uh, forgive, for example, because, well, we mess things up a lot. We hurt each other a as people, and, you know, if we follow the things in Scripture, then we're going to be able to get along better. We're going to be able to live more productive, 
happier lives. And, and well, like I said, where do we, there's the, the applications, the benefits are endless. So it seems like God's spiritual uh, workout plan is the best that there is. And that when I try to do it on my own, I'm not going to be as successful. Philip, you have anything you want to add? Yeah, I mean, that, that's exactly right. Uh, when you think about the benefits from obeying the instructions that are written there, uh, as I mentioned a moment ago, the, the spiritual blessings are without a doubt. You know, the, the peace of mind, the comfort that is gained from knowing that there is something beyond this life, that to look around at, at the corruption that is in this world, the, the things that we have to face, knowing that there is death looming for everyone, uh, that there's something beyond that. There's a hope. And if I don't have something to help explain that hope to me, then what good is it? Right. Uh, I've got to be able to find that hope and understand what it is. So the spiritual blessings abound. And the physical blessings as well. One of the things that, for me, seems to be a, a major, major blessing is the family unit mm-hmm. that it's outside the family of just the family of your home or or dna relatives right we're talking about your brethren and the closeness of that bond uh you and i would not know one another if it weren't for that and because of that i consider you a very dear friend Same and here. a friend and a brother because of that description you know when, when the family unit in heaven described is described father and son, I believe it's that way to help us understand the relationship between us and God. But it also, because it's something we understand with mom, dad, children, grandparents, so on and so forth. In the church, because of what the Bible teaches us, we have that close connection and close bond because of it. Uh, you know, I spent eight years as a firefighter, and that, that firemen are known for that brotherhood bond. Right. And I remember that brotherhood bond. But when you get around members of the Lord's body, it cannot compare to the bond from that because of that blessing. Well, it's interesting because we, we've kind of alluded to this a little bit in the program. But now I'm going to ask just outright, what are the dangers, Ryan, to a family that has the Bible in their home but doesn't have God in their home? Well, it, it's just a paperweight. Right. Then it's just a it's just a coffee table decoration at that point, and you know the the benefits of the Bible are found in its words. Uh, scripture is God's communication to man. Uh, these words are not something that a, a human being thought and wrote down. It's it, they are exactly what God wanted us to hear. And they are all his words. And if, if I don't open that, then I never get to hear what God wants me to hear. I never get to hear what my father has to say to me. And how can I, you know, how can I benefit from that? Um, imagine what I'm missing when I take communication from the creator of the universe and, and close the screen close the book, put it on my coffee table, never read it. I'm missing out on so much. And isn't it a shame that in many households, 
textbooks are open more than the Word of God. Oh, exactly right. And, and you know, books about sports and books about, you know, fantasy and all of these things in the regard of, you know, people will read Harry Potter, they'll read Lord of the Rings, and they'll read them thousand time over. But a family can't take five minutes. And, you know, we're not... I, everybody's different. I don't advocate that you must have a required hour of Bible time every night, on the dot, every single week of the year. But there should be something that every family takes the time to teach their children. And while we have this small little boy who's a year and a half, we've taught him that Jesus loves, and he'll say, me. And he can say that. So when we sing the song, he sings the me part. We're teaching him at a young age, but as he matures, our teaching matures with that. But a lot of times it seems to be that the danger is that people will say in the Lord's church, well, the Bible is what we get on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday evening. And if we have a gospel meeting, we might go one night. If we have a lectureship, we might go one night other than the times we're required to attend. But if that's the only word of God that the children are getting, they're malnourished. It's no different than if we were to give them food only one week of the year. They're not going to live. And if we treat the Bible that way, they're not going to make it. Philip, you have anything you want to add on this? Well, you mentioned earlier uh, the diet, of course, that, that we live by. We call that a lifestyle for a reason. You, right. can't, you can't do something like that and hit or miss on it and expect it to be beneficial. Right. It has to be a life change in a way you change it. Without the Bible, you don't have a godly lifestyle. Uh, if you are going to have be righteous and, and express righteousness and, and have a desire for righteousness to be expressed towards you, it has to be a lifestyle. It can't be uh, just something that I claim. It has to be something I live, and I can't live it if that book sits on the table closed. So as we kind of close this episode out, I have one final question. Is the world hopeless? Because it seems like the way that our nation, just in America, has gone is it gets more and more openly, acceptably wicked. You know, I know back in Bible times there were things just as there are today, but they were ashamed to be around. And, you know, we have even in the history of certain nations the, the book The Scarlet A, you know, in the Scarlet Letter that has that A that represented adultery and an adulterer, and it, it was a shame to have that upon your clothing. But now... We have websites that promote having an affair. We have places that promote going and do, to be a part of this. So is the world hopeless? I would say, and I have to qualify this, yes, the world is hopeless. Right. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 says, At that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So as long as the world stays without God, as long as the world keeps their Bible closed or discards it entirely, they have no hope. But if you keep reading Ephesians chapter 2, the next verse says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes afar off are made near by the blood of Christ. So I'm only hopeless as long as I stay in the world. As soon as I change my direction as soon as I open the Bible and let God speak to me and accept what he says then I have then I have as much hope as as I need right Philip you want to add anything to that uh, the the thoughts that come to mind are exactly uh, as he mentioned you know you, you jump back a chapter in Ephesians 1 and 3 and that's where all spiritual blessings are available mm -hmm. you know when you look at those blessings that are available they 
are only available in Christ. Right. Uh, so just as the statement was, you, you have to qualify it. I mean, you know, you, your immediate statement is, yeah, the world is hopeless as long as they stay outside of Christ. Uh, I don't, I don't know that that means we are left without hope because the hope being in Christ. As long as there is that available, then there is the opportunity for someone to be obedient. But again, if that book stays closed, then no one knows what Ephesians one and Ephesians two say. Yeah, you know, you've got to. You mentioned a moment ago that uh, the world seems to be going in a downward spiral. Mm-hmm. But when you look back through history, biblical history, ancient times, the same occurrences happened then. Uh, the downward spirals of morality have always been there. There's highs, there's lows, and I think we are in one of those lows uh, where where moral acceptance uh, is or is not. One of the things that strikes me about this is there are two instances in the Bible that immediately come to mind of people who had lost the Word of God. And the first is Josiah. When they found the book of the law, Josiah rents his clothes and becomes into this state of mourning because he realizes that their nation had not been godly anymore. What was missing? And they were missing out on everything that they needed, and it had evidently hurt them, is what Josiah realized. Because you don't go into a state of mourning unless there's a, there's a reason to mourn. And then I notice, of course, with uh, Uzzah, when Uzzah died, David is angry, the Bible says, at the breach that God had made against Uzzah, but really it was Uzzah's breach that God responded to. And how do I know that? Because in 1 Chronicles 15, David builds this this opportunity to bring the ark back, and he says in verse 13, the God that broke out against us, the Lord, he did it because we didn't consult him about the proper order. The word of God in Deuteronomy, or Numbers 4.15, I should say, because that's where it is, Numbers 4.15 says, if you touch a holy thing, you will die. And had they remembered that passage, had they remembered God's word, Uzzah wouldn't have died that day. Had they done it the way God had said when it says that the sons of Kohath carry on their shoulders, Uzzah would not have died that day. And you know what's interesting? They had to lift the ark onto the cart, which means they lifted it by the poles, so they even had the poles still in there. And David realizes a chapter later in 1 Chronicles you know, we, we didn't do this the right way, and we needed to be better than this. And because we didn't, Uzzah died. Now let's do it the way we need to do it. Same with Josiah. Let's re-implement the Word of God into our lives, into our nation, and we'll be blessed. If our nation were to do that, our nation would thrive even more than it already is. Agreed. Because righteousness exalts a nation, and sin is a reproach to any people. How do I know what is righteous and what is sin? Paul wrote in Romans 7, the law revealed what was sin. The law told, I wouldn't have known that I couldn't covet had the law not informed me. And so I know that if I read God's word, it naturally tells me what to do and what not to do. And so my life is far better when the Bible is a part of my life versus when it's not. Do you guys have any final closing comments before we end this episode? Only thing I would like to mention is, you know, you were talking about us as breach. And David figured out that they didn't consult God first. Mm Mm-hmm. If we could get that mentality that with every decision we make, every decision we make, if we would consult God first and use that information to make that decision and help influence that decision, which we can't get that without reading his word, Mm -hmm. then we don't have any choice but to do what is right. Right. And when I consult God and do things the way the first century church, the way that the 
Old Testament people that followed God did, I will never be wrong when I consult and do it the way that they did. When I follow, as Judges twenty one twenty five says, my own way right. and my own thoughts, uh, Isaiah 55 tells me, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, says the Lord. So I need to get on a higher level of thinking and be on God's level of thinking before I make a decision. That's a great point. Ryan, you want to add anything? I would just like to take what... what Philip said, and um, add a little bit of yes and to that. Uh, if we have the mindset, uh, you know, we need to we need to have the mi- them the mindset that David had, but we have to understand that every decision that we make uh, when we consult scripture, you know, where we should consult what God, what God wants. What if that's a life and death decision, right? Like it was with Uzzah. And I don't think people treat the way they live their lives this way. Uh, you may think, well, Uzzah just reached up and steadied the ark. That was just a little thing. But it was life and death. What if we had that mindset for ourselves where everything we do in this life is is a life or death situation? Therefore, we should do our best to get it right from the scriptures. That's absolutely right. And our goal with this podcast is the verse from Philippians one twenty three: to be with the Lord is far better. And the only way I can be with the Lord is if I'm in his word. And if I look to what he says and follow what he says. And so my life is far better when I do what God wants me to do. Your life can be far better when you do what God wants you to do. And if we have the Bible as a part of our lives, we're not worse. We're better. We have a better life than when we don't. And we're not done talking about this subject because we're going to have one more episode about this. I hope you'll tune in. And we're going to have these two panelists back with me, these two guests. But until then, I hope we please God now so our eternity is far better.